listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Top of the morning to you on this final day of February. As we ask the question once again, how the heck are you? Miller and Moulton here on the Florida Sports Network. FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Thanks so much for waking up with us. Hope your week got off to a good start. Hope February treated you well. March is always, always a great sports month. Top of the morning to you, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great, David. Good morning to you as well. Did something yesterday that I haven't done in a long, long time, maybe ever. I don't, I really don't remember the last time that I sat down and watched multiple innings of a spring training game. You mean on television? On television. So not in person. You sat down and watched spring training baseball on television. Riveted by the pitch clock. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to a sport. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, do they move this sucker along now. Oh, do tell. I I came home, had things to do, had a doctor's appointment yesterday, and I came home and I just flipped the TVs on. Now, let's see what's on. And ESPN happened to be the last thing on the one television, and here comes the Mets and the Cardinals, which, ironically enough, David... You've been wearing me out because I was listening to MLB radio on the way home. Whoa! Oh my goodness, what a day this was! And holy cow! And no you know me and names. Go to the doctor. Exactly. And uh, the director of player personnel from the Cardinals was on because they're playing the game, and they're and so I'm listening to a little his talk about players and and their new catcher and Wayne Wright in his last year. Well, this is interesting. And just a little, you know, I, I don't ever, the fun thing about spring training games, they can put a GM on for right. 20 minutes because you don't care about the game. I'm more interested in what the interview is. So I get home and I just flip the TVs on and the game continued to be on. I'm like, what the hell? I'll, I'll tune this in for a little bit. And it moves. And it has uh-huh. flow. Uh-huh. And it didn't seem so laborious as it often does watching a baseball game. And all of a sudden, I went through a couple, three innings, and there were runs scored, and there were things happening, and the game still had pace to it. Did you find yourself staring at the pitch clock? Yes. I did. And only a couple of times. Every time, like as soon as the catcher has the ball, I'm watching the pitch clock to see if it starts exactly when it hits the pitcher's glove. And then as soon as the batter's in the box, I'm looking up at the clock to make sure he's staring at the pitcher before eight. Right. Because otherwise that's a violation. But that's a strike. there were no violations in the time it, that I watched. Did it feel rushed? Did you sense that the hitter and or pitcher looked and felt rushed? Not one bit. Really? They were all, that that was the, they were engaged. They weren't making it a part of it. They didn't step out of the damn, out of the box between every pitch. Hey! How about that? How about that? 
By the way, all of a sudden, if we start talking baseball, I start channeling Mel Allen. It's okay. <laughs> How about that? That's okay. It's the baseball hour. Our audience knows who Mel Allen is. Felipe oh. has no clue who we're talking about right now, no, but that's no. all right. No, that's all right. Look it up. Okay, and here at Felipe, all right, there's two parts to Mel Allen. There's the Mel Allen during his prime. He did Yankees games in the 50s and 60s when they dominated the world. And then another generation, Mark, you know, in my generation, got to know Mel Allen because he was the voice of this week in baseball. Best half-hour show that's ever been on television. <laughs> you can say it what rivaled- you want about baseball, but when that sucker came on, it was like Saturday at like noon, 1230, something like that. What, Felipe, cha- what channel? The, it was syndicated, so it was wherever yeah. you wherever you picked it up in your market. Yeah, you have to so remember, like you, Felipe. We didn't have a whole lot of channels back then. Well, okay? I know, but <laughs> Felipe, the two greatest shows for Miller and Moulton's generation: the thirty-minute This Week in Baseball. Okay, and then as Mark said, usually the station that carried the major league games in your market, you would watch it before the Sunday game. That, that's what, yeah, right. Sunday, 1230, right into the one o'clock game, usually something like right. that. And then during football season, Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire did a one hour show called This is the NFL, in which they went through with the help of NFL films, all the games from the week before. And then they previewed, OK, the games that were coming up the next day. Two greatest shows, all right, throughout the 70s and into the 80s. That's phenomenal. Because otherwise, I mean, you got to remember, ESPN didn't come around until yeah. August, September of 79. There's no sports center. I mean, no. there's once a week you got these. That right. and then that and you lived for during football season when Howard Cosell would do the Monday Night Football halftime and give you the highlights. Did your team make the cut? Exactly. And the Giants were terrible. If the Giants made Cosell's highlights at halftime, I was like, yes, I can go to bed now. Right there with you with the Lions. They didn't make it that often, David, but mom would let me stay up until halftime of the Monday night football game. Right. Usually the Giants only made it because the Cowboys and Redskins scored on them. You know, I was seeing them chasing guys into the end zone, you know, at least with uh, the Lions there for a couple of years. I'd see a Billy Sims highlight. Well, exactly. It didn't really count when it was your team getting scored upon. It was, did your guy (laughs) do something worthwhile (laughs) to make the cut? But I thought, David, by and large, I did not think the players looked rushed. I'm sure they will, and there's going to be problems with this. But first off, they were stealing bases right and left. There we go. All right. What do you think of the running game returning to baseball, huh? What do you think? You haven't seen it in a generation. It's called the stolen base. No, really. You can start on one base and end up on another. No, no, no. It's allowed. Yes, it's in the rule book. So I was, put it this way, I'll probably do a spring training game now. Oh, my goodness. Man, where's the breaking news sounder when we need it? Dun, 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 dun. You should because they have three clocks right behind home plate. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to see because it stands all out. Started, in all seriousness, Felipe, this started six years ago. The spring of 2017. I had just been fired. Mark had been fired six months earlier. All right? We thought we were never going to have a second act, never mind this third act. 
And I got a job for four weeks through Major League Baseball in which my job was to keep track of did the game stick to the time guidelines. And there was a a clock out in center field that most people did not notice even at the games. And it was timing in between innings, and it was timing when the music played, when it shut off, did, was the pitcher on the mound by a certain time, was the batter in the box at a certain time, and Major League Baseball started tracking the two minutes and 10 seconds in between half innings. And that was Rob Manfred's beginning to working the clock into Major League Baseball. He could do that at the Major League level in between innings. He couldn't do anything, okay, except timing a pitching change. That he could time. But then he had to go through the minors because they're not covered by the CBA. So he worked all the stuff, just like Bud Selig. How did he work steroid testing into baseball? He went the minors first. So this is a six-year process. And I feel slightly vindicated, David. You and I have been doing this a long time. And baseball has finally done something to speed up their games. You and I have been complaining about it for a long time. College football is finally doing something to speed up their games. We have been complaining about it for a long time. I don't think the sports fan wants a four-hour game. Well... The sports fan has said they don't want a three-hour baseball game. And ideally, we wouldn't need this. But the problem is the players started taking forever, and the umpires didn't call them on it. And the sport stopped governing itself. And Rob Manford said, I've given, I've given you guys warnings. I've talked about this, the whole deal. You guys aren't doing anything. So I got to take these drastic measures. And if you don't like them, sorry, tough. You guys won't keep your butts in the batter's box. We talked about it. If you watch, they'll show like the 1975 World Series and you watch the batter never left the box. I watched. Pitcher gets the ball, sees the sign, throws. I don't know what's happened to me, David, but you know, yesterday watching baseball, I started flipping through TikTok, and what am I watching? Nolan Ryan against Pete Rose, Phillies Astros playoff game, nineteen eighty, epic five game series. First at bat of the game, Rose in there, and what do they do? They go to a full count, and Rose never left the box. No. No. Hank Aaron never left the box. Seriously, Hank Aaron never left the box. If it was good enough for Hank Aaron, no offense to everybody else. By the way, I blame the Yankees. No, no, no. I, I blame the mid-90s Yankees. I feel as it probably wasn't them, but they were the ones that, you know, started winning and we started seeing it every postseason and the whole deal. You know, love Derek Jeter. Absolutely love him. But him stepping out and the whole glove thing and, you know, Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill. And, they, you know, they had a bunch of human rain delays who were at bat. And, of course, everybody followed. The Red Sox took it and went, oh, no, we can go much slower than the Yankees. 
And then the race said, oh, hell, we can go slower than both of you. So that was my day yesterday. Spring training baseball, a little fired up about it. And you were excited. Fired up about it. Yes. So David Sampson on the show today, fire Tallahassee and his Florida State to check in on what the latest is in Tallahassee and his Florida State trying to make a power play to get more money out of the ACC. Or are they trying to blow it up? One or the other. Miller and Moulton, plus the starting five in 25 minutes. We thank you so much for listening right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour, top of the morning to you, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. It's not just the final Tuesday of February; it's the final day of February, and the madness got underway last night. It actually, got underway over the weekend because college hoop weekend was tremendous, but officially got underway last night. The A Sun tournament played their play-in games last night. That was the first of the 32 conferences to um, to start their tournament. A whole bunch of small conference tournaments getting underway today. I will say, two games last night in the A-Sun, one was a buzzer beater of the two. I mean, yep. so we're just continuing that trend right along. And I know none of you watched it, none of you care, but... <laughs> right. And they were both played on neutral floors, so the combined attendance at both games was under 300. But that's okay. That's all right. Highlights on SportsCenter. It counts. Both Florida teams lost, by the way. So, rough night in state for the madness. Let's hope that doesn't continue. But, okay, since we started you talking, you know, baseball and the pitch clock and the difference that it's made and you really enjoyed it and the whole deal. Okay. So, I was thinking this Sunday watching the final couple holes of the Honda Classic. And full disclosure, I started off the weekend watching the LIV. Man, the Honda field didn't do anything for me. I took a look at the leaderboard. I'm like, none of these guys interest me. All right. Meanwhile, I was looking at the LIV leaderboard, and I'm like, a bunch of these guys interest me. But by Sunday, Charles Howell starts running away with it. He didn't do anything for me. Peter Uline was the closest guy to chase him. He ain't doing anything for me. And, you know, it had all the intensity of a Tuesday Miller and Moulton match. So the Honda, meanwhile, has two guys playing together. Each had a unique story. One guy playing his 12th ever tournament. What this would do to change his life. The other guy battled alcoholism. All right, was off the tour for over three years. Hasn't won in nearly eight Ah, hell of a story here. So they had me. But down the stretch, and then, Mark, they went to a playoff. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is ultimately a television product. Two things. One, it's eight minutes to six o'clock. They're supposed to be done at six. And the two guys are in the scorer's tent going over the scorecards. 
my wife, totally unprompted, does not like golf, does not like sports, turns and says, why the heck are they keeping score? Why do they need to keep score? You mean to tell me nobody's keeping their score? I go, no, everybody's keeping their score. Then what are they doing? Okay. I, hey, I, I'm with you. I'm sorry. I, you know I think that they shouldn't have to keep score. As they're walking off the green, an official PGA Tour person, they tell them their score. They write it down. They send it in. It goes up electronically. Any other sport where you're keeping score? Your own score? Any other? Can't help All you. Right. That's number one. Number two. Okay. We're in the playoff. Break out the carts. Let's go. Sorry. Is, we've done this. Four days, 72 holes, a whole deal. Got to move this sucker along. I got network evening news. I got the sun that's going to set. No, we. sorry. Let's go. Get in the cart. 550 yards to the tee. And keep going. Let's move this sucker along. We're in a playoff now. Get out the carts. Only need like four of them. You know, player can have a cart. Caddy can have a cart. There you go. Let's go. Let's move this along. Is that a crazy idea? Uh, is it a crazy idea? No, it's not a crazy idea. You've been on this score thing forever. It doesn't bother me. It bothers you. It's not anything I'm going to lose any sleep over if they quit keeping score. I think they try to keep it the same at every level because they're not, they don't necessarily have scores on every, every USGA event. And it's trying to keep the same thing that if I'm playing in a tournament that it's done the same as the highest level, but I get where you're coming from. If they ended that tomorrow, it wouldn't affect me one iota. Um, letting them have carts, it'll never happen in the playoff. I mean, they'd usually drive them in a cart to the tee that they're they on. Have, they have to, occasionally they do that. Well, I don't. I don't. I, I would say almost always they do that. The caddy and the guy jump in a cart. They drive them to the 18th tee or wherever they're starting the playoff from. They get out and they walk. I don't think walking a hole versus riding one hole would make a whole hell of a lot of difference. I understand where you're coming from. This is almost like a pitch clock thing. It's the amount of time these guys spend over the ball sometimes it gets a little laborious. But I, I, I'm i fine with the scorecard. I would be fine with a cart. You'll never see it. Well, I mean, we've got carts on the Champions Tour. Does anybody think any less of Bernhard Longer's 45 wins on the Champions Tour? Now, I don't know how many times he's used a cart, for goodness sakes. He's amazing. But, I, I mean. Only if he pushes it up hills. It's the only thing Bernard loses a cart for. Well, that's that's true. I mean, you know, he's not only kicking their butt, he's helping them when they get stuck get out right. of the mud. Right. But, I mean, because let's be brutally honest. If we had a cart, Tiger Woods would play 15 tournaments a year. I mean, you know, I mean, do we really? How important do you think the walking component is? Remember, we're thinking, just think forward. I know, we've always done it, the whole deal. Right. I got no, it. I, I just, I think golf, when you're walking, is a better game to play walking. I take a card every I, I time agree. I play. I agree. I would prefer to have, I mean, there's nothing like playing golf with a caddy and walking. There, there really is not. There's no better way to play the game than having a caddy and walking the golf course. I totally agree. But I have to admit, if I'm running the PGA Tour, 
So we get three hours from CBS and NBC on a Sunday. Instead of showing you the leaders for 10 to 12 holes, what if I could show you all 18? I mean, remember, at the end of the day, what is this about? It's about television. It's about television, and it's also about fan enjoyment. I mean, is it, if, think about it now, if we're starting, if college football is going to take a hard look at the pace of its game, if Major League Baseball is taking a hard look at the pace of its game, I well, mean, and, you and you golf, all, that tournament, both uh, Kirk and um, the guy he beat, Cole. Cole, thank you, they got put on the clock. Yeah, but you want to talk about, I mean, the PGA Tour is about as hard-nosed about time as Major League well, Baseball was. I would love to see it before you just rush to the cart. Okay. I would love to see them start enforcing, I don't know if they ever will. But it's ridiculous that it takes two, a twosome five hours to play a round of golf. Totally. It's I will absolutely, say they, whether they're walking, riding in a cart, you know, on unicycles, David, I don't give a damn. It doesn't take that. I played over the weekend with a shotgun and 32 teams, and we played in four and a half hours, and it was like, oh, my God, get me off of this place. Everybody complained the whole time. These guys play in five-plus hours. It's ridiculous. I, I agree. The LPGA Tour has started a little bit in the last couple of years enforcing the whole time thing because their play got unbelievably slow. But I'm just wondering, you know, you get to the hall, it's an essential part of the sport and what, okay, whatever. But I'm just wondering, I mean, granted, listen, if we had carts, You'd see Tiger Woods play 12 to 15 events a year. You know, if it makes it that much quicker, you would think Live Golf would do it. I'm not joking here. They're letting them wear shorts. They're playing music, the whole thing. Maybe Live Golf try something like this and go that route. Just a thought. Just a thought. But when my wife is making comments about how come they're not using carts and why are they keeping score? You know what, honey? Those are a couple of dadgum good questions. Starting five is next. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. David Sampson to make his weekly appearance coming up at the top of the hour. Jeff Cameron at the top of the eight o'clock hour. So, what's Florida State's end game? Is it to stay in the ACC but just change things, shake it up, or are they trying to get out? And are they the first domino? We don't know if they're falling. Or they're just turning to the side. Don't know. Don't know if they're falling forward or backward, for that matter. Talk to Jeff Cameron about Florida State and their, you know, existence in the ACC and where it goes from here. 
Meanwhile, it is time for... The Starting Five. Five stories you need to know. It's The Starting Five on Miller & Moulton. Here's number one. Well, the Washington Commander's making some news. First, they release Carson Wentz. So that's three teams in three years. Boom, boom, boom. Eagles, Colts, Commanders. Washington gave up two third-round picks for that one forgettable year of Wentz. They saved $26.2 million against the cap. They also released DB Bobby McCain and saved another two-plus million. So Washington just found themselves $29 million worth of cap room, although, Mark, they used nearly $19 million of it early this morning. They are the first team to place a tag on a player. They don't even wait. They had a whole other week. They ain't waiting. They place the franchise tag on Deron Payne. Defensive tackle, $18.937 million is what he will make this coming season. If um, Is there a team out there that you think should bring Wentz in as a backup? Like, if Tampa brought Wentz in to back up Kyle Trask. Or if Miami brought in Wentz to back up Tua. Or if Carolina, you know, Frank Reich, who just had him the year earlier in Indianapolis. They did go nine and eight together. Wentz actually was, I think he was 27 TDs and seven interceptions with Frank Reich. I mean, his numbers actually in Indianapolis weren't terrible. I mean, if you're, I'm just curious, is Wentz so damaged now that if you're a fan of a team and if your team brought him in, even to be the backup, would you go, ah, what are we doing? I think most fan bases would. I, I really do. Okay. I think so, if you said uh, White, the the guy in the jet with the Jets. Mike White, yeah. Or Carson Wentz. I think most people would take Mike White. Joe Flacco, Carson Wentz. Mike White. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that goes back over 10 years. (laughs) The question was Blake Griffin or Kevin Love, right? Yes. And my answer was Kevin Durant. Still the right answer, by the way. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was was the right answer then. It's the right answer now. Uh, For goodness sakes. Um, Bryce Young will not throw at the combine, but he will be measured at the combine. I'm going to make you a prediction right now. He's not six feet tall. I'll even go out on a limb. I'm not sure he's 5'11". Over or under 5'11", where are you placing your money for Bryce Young? Over, barely. Um, I'm going under. I think we're looking at Russell Wilson-esque here. Remember, that was 5'10 and 5'8s was Russell Wilson. Um, By the way, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, they're all going, they're all throwing. How about that? I don't know what's gotten into me. I'm sorry. It's my fault, everyone. It's not David's fault. It's my fault. I'm the one that watched... 
MLB TV and listen to MLB radio yesterday, and just that alone did enough for no. David to go, how about that? A no, few times it all today. started with McCarver passing. All right, honestly, once McCarver died, I started working in the Memphis accent, and, you know, he used to do it, and, yeah, I don't know. This is a week old. My bad. Uh, to conf- This developed during the show yesterday to make it official. So Browns owner Jimmy Haslam, there are co-owners of the Milwaukee Bucks. He bought out the minority owner. He now owns a quarter of the Milwaukee Bucks. He paid the equivalent of valuing the franchise at $3.5 billion. So you do the math, I believe that's $875 million. So the Browns owner paid $875 million, and he now owns a quarter of the Milwaukee Bucks. Does this lead the way for him to eventually own all of the Milwaukee Bucks? We shall see as to why. That's the second highest valuation of an NBA franchise, by the way. Phoenix went for four. Milwaukee now being valued at 3-5, at least according to Haslam. One other football note, Fred Miller. He was a standout defensive lineman for the great Baltimore Colts teams of the late 60s and into the early 70s. Remember, they went to two Super Bowls in three years, losing Super Bowl three, winning Super Bowl five. He was on both those teams. Fred Miller passed away at the age of 82. To college basketball we go, and Terry Holland passed away overnight at the age of 80. He is the gentleman that took Virginia to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. Took him to two Final Fours, one with Ralph Sampson, one without. Terry Holland was 80. In a sense, the conference tournaments got underway yesterday with the A-Sun. They're playing games. Queens beat FGCU by six. Bellarmine hit a shot at the buzzer to beat North Florida by two. So the two Florida teams, two of the three that are in the ASUN tournament, are out just like that. North Carolina went to Tallahassee, beat Florida State 77-66. That was an absolute must for the Tar Heels, who are still firmly on the bubble. FAMU and Bethune both lost last night. My best bet lost. Oklahoma State got off to a rough start, was never able to take the lead, lost at home to Baylor 74-68. The Cowboys, Mark, I think have played themselves right out of the field. I think they're now bubblicious, but on the wrong side of the bubble. Carolina and Oklahoma State, Mark, may be switching places. Maybe here down the stretch. Uh, West Virginia, meanwhile, may take Oklahoma State's place in the tournament out of the Big 12. They went to Iowa State and won last night, 72-69. That was a huge win. That's like for, two good wins they've had in their last three games. Yes, for Huggy Bear there. All right, trying to get West Virginia in the tournament. Uh, the polls came out yesterday in men's hoops. Your consensus top five in order. Houston, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, Purdue. You know, for those that are into the importance of seedings, Mark, who would you give the last one to right now? UCLA or Purdue, top team in the Pac-12 versus top team in the Big Ten. Top team in the Big Ten's in a bit of a rut. Right now, I'd give it to UCLA. 
And that's, you know, we'll see how this plays out, but it's possible that Purdue falls to the two line and they've been on the one seed line for basically the whole season. Women's hoops, FAMU a winner, Bethune a loser last night. Baylor went to Texas and upset the Longhorns by nine. Uh, The women's AP poll came out yesterday. South Carolina remains the unanimous number one. South Florida ranked at 25th nba lebron injured his foot sunday against dallas and um they now think he's going to be out several weeks i don't know about you there's only about five left in the nba regular season but uh, apparently uh this doesn't look good lebron they think will miss several weeks with the lakers now just a half a game out of the play-in in part because orlando beat new orleans last night 101 93 the Pelicans right now holding down the 10th and final spot. And they're doing so in a tiebreaker with Portland and only a half a game ahead of the Lakers. Bottom of the Western Conference has turned into a mess. Huge win for the Heat last night, who are currently in the play-in. They would like to get out of the play-in. They went to Philly and beat the Sixers 101-99. Jimmy Butler with a late bucket. Bam had a huge block on Embiid down the stretch. So the Heat and the Magic both go on the road and both win. And both needed it. Uh, The Knicks have won six in a row. This might be the second best Knicks team in the last 20 years, which of course isn't saying anything. They've won one playoff series in 20 years. But they've won six in a row and they cost Boston the best record in the East for the moment. And they handled the Celtics, 109-94, and the game was not much closer. No, they kind of blew them out right from the get-go, particularly the second quarter. They took it to them and... uh... No turning back for the Knicks in that game last night. Good news, bad news for Charlotte. Good news, they've won five in a row. Bad news, LaMelo Ball broke his right ankle. He's obviously out for the rest of the year. Charlotte beat Detroit 117-106. NHL, Connor McDavid scored two more goals. Fourth straight game, he's had two or more goals. First time that's been done in 10 years. But that's all Edmonton got in a 3-2 loss to the Bruins. Once again, Mark, like we said, Maybe televised Boston Edmonton to the country. Why would you want to put that game on? Only the maybe the best team that's ever played hockey in the Bruins. They are on pace to have the most wins in the history of the National Hockey League, playing against the best player in the game. Don't don't put that on television. Whatever you do. Ottawa beat Detroit six two. Tough loss for the Wings trying to get the last playoff spot. Uh, don't look now, but the defending Stanley Cup champions have found their stride. They beat Vegas 3-0. They're two points out of first in their division. They could end up the one seed in the West, which would be fitting because they are the best team in the West. Uh, Vancouver handed Dallas a costly overtime loss 5-4, and Anaheim doubled up Chicago 4-2. Patrick Kane has returned to Chicago. He's waiting to be traded. And considering he holds all the cards, it looks as if Kane has told them, I will play for the Rangers and only the Rangers. Huh. Interesting. I don't know what you get for a guy who's basically told you where it is he's going to go unless you just decide not to trade him and then you get nothing. Uh, Toronto, by the way, made another deal yesterday, Mark. They traded a first and second round pick along with two players, all right, to Chicago for defenseman Jake McCabe and forward Sam Lafferty. And Chicago picks up half this guy's salary, not only for the rest of this year, but for the next two years. Man. Imagine if we could do that in the other sports. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be fantastic. 
Major League Baseball raised pitcher Tyler Glasnow through six pitches yesterday and then walked off the mound with an oblique injury. Yeah, those things are usually not three to five days. Those are usually three to five weeks. So that's worth paying attention to. And Mark, I don't know if you noticed in that spring training game that you watched yesterday, but we had a momentous occasion right before the game. Umpire C.J. Buckner and Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol shook hands. Hey, how about that? The umpire didn't make it about him this time. What else sure. is new? I'm sure he was told uh, to uh, to be more professional. Have to admit, there's a part of me that can respect him holding the grudge that he held. The other guy publicly said last August that he sucks and he shouldn't be in the majors. Hmm. Hey, how you doing there, Sammy? Uh, shove it up your... And that, at eight minutes before the hour, was... That was the starting five every weekday morning at this time on Miller & Moulton. What can I say? I hold a grudge. Oh, I know. Once you cross the line. I'm, I'm a really nice guy. And, and got let me just lot- tell you how nice I am. No, 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 no. I'm a nice guy. And the, I give you a lot of gray area. I do. Once you cross the line, though, you're dead to me. Just so you know. That's how I rule. Always have. Everybody knows that. All right. And 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 I'm even willing, you know, various degrees, you know, you can slap me around a little bit. I can take it. I mean, you and I have slapped each other around. We've taken it from each other. Okay. We've never said you're dead to me. No, we've never crossed the line. Right. You've come closer to crossing the line than I have. I danced all over it. I was on the wall. And we put you in timeout for a little while and then let you out. That's the way things go. Right. But that's that's just how I roll. All right. I'll give you plenty of room to dance. As Paul says, one of the many reasons to watch on Twitch, we've heard you shower Philly with niceness several times on this show. Exactly. And I like him a lot. And you're a really nice guy. I am. Just Just ask you. Just not always. (laughs) 